that line of great is thy faithfulness. It's such a familiar song. Um, sometimes we take it for granted. And especially I love um, what, we, what we just sang, the fact that with God, who is great in his faithfulness, there is no shadow of turning. No shadow of turning whatsoever. And that's a phrase that we don't say a lot. I mean, we don't use that phrase a lot. We don't, we don't say things like that uh, usually. Um, and sometimes we even have to ask, well, what does that even mean? What, what even, no shadow of turning. What is a shadow of turning? And certainly the song uh, takes that cue from Scripture. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variance or shadow of turning. And a device that was used for centuries that doesn't really get used that much, if ever, anymore, um, is a sundial. And what a sundial does is it, it uses shadows cast by the sun onto the dial with a pointer following the movement of those shadows to tell time. That's what it does. And that's, that's what people use for a long time to tell, to tell time and to track the hours of the day. And just like the passing of time casts shadows on the sundial, change can cast long, dark shadows on our minds and our hearts and in our lives, can't they? No one loves change. I mean, some people can adapt better than others, and some people settle into it okay, but change is something that causes at least some trepidation, some anxiety in everybody. Uh, change is sometimes really good, and often it's necessary, but that doesn't change the fact that cha- change is often hard. It's often painful. It's often scary. Because Change brings with it the unknown, the uncertain. And I know this past year for a lot of you has been full of change. It's been true for all of us in one way or the other. Last week, Roger spoke about the fact that he doesn't know what it's going to look like and how it's going to be, but one thing he said he guarantees for all of us, and I agreed 100%, is that this year will bring change. In, into lives, into all of our lives, and it will. And I know this past year, for some of you, that change has been full of pain, full of agony, full of anguish, full of hardship. And I know that as we look at this new year, what often happens in our lives is we, we have anxiety and fear with the coming of a new year, largely based on how the last year went. You know, we remember how the last year started and how it went on. And in many cases, the difficulties just pile on and mount, right? And it's so often the case that year in and year out of our lives, um, the new year brings with it new struggles and new trials and new uncertainty. That's not to say that it's all like that. I mean, it's not to say there's no good. That's certainly not true. But we have to acknowledge the fact that with every year comes a lot of uncertainty 
and a lot of different experiences, a lot of different circumstances, and a lot of change in our circumstances. It just happens all the time. And a lot of that is a source of fear. A lot of that is a source of uncertainty and trepidation. And I get that. I understand that. But what I want you to know, what I want you to hear, what I want you to remember as we go into this new year now, as we're in it now, and as we progress day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, and as as change happens as it will, as your circumstances and your situations change, especially when that change is what we would see as less than desirable, what I want you to know, church, my brothers and sisters, is this. And it's what you already know. It's what you would agree with. But we need to all hear it today. Change is constant in life. But God is constantly unchanged. Change is constant all throughout our life. It's going to happen. It's part of living. To be alive is to to face and deal with and encounter change all the time. And it can get exhausting and it can get discouraging but through it all as as much as change is a constant part of life we can rest assured we can trust in the fact that God is constantly unchanged and in our our changing circumstances in the midst of all the unknown that we face and fear often if we will choose to actually listen to him and look to him, God will use the shifting shadows of change and inconsistency, which we will always see throughout life. He will use those things to highlight how constant and consistent he is. If we'll let him. As we, as we face change and uncertainty and inconsistency, if we will, beloved, if we will just choose to look to him and listen to him, that's what we'll find. We'll find that he uses all the, the shadows of the changing of time and situation in our life to highlight his own consistency and the fact that he is constant. And that's especially helpful and especially healing when those changes and variables and inconsistencies and shadows of turning are hard when they're painful, when they're discouraging, when they're full of doubt and despair. It's especially helpful to remember these things in those times. And some of you have walked through very, very dark shadows this past year. Maybe, maybe for some of you that's how the year has started. You're already dealing with very difficult circumstances and change that you didn't see coming and you didn't want to come. A couple months ago, a very well-known Christian musician, artist, uh, Toby Mack and his family, they were dealt a pretty significant blow in their family where Toby Mack's oldest son, Truett, uh, took his own life unexpectedly, tragically. Uh, He had grown up obviously hearing the truth with his dad being a solid Christian and ministering his whole life and even took part in that as he was younger on some of Toby Mac's albums. But in his recent um, years, as he became an adult, he, he drifted quite a bit from faith and from the truth, and he got into a lot of things he shouldn't have, and uh, he took his life. And Toby Mac wasn't even 
able to get to his house uh, in enough time to really have meaningful moments with his son before he left this earth. So Toby Mack and his family, they certainly know what it is to have change come into your life that you didn't see coming, you didn't ask for, you didn't want, you didn't hope for, but there it is regardless. And it's painful and it's horrible, but what are you going to do with it is the question. It's here, it's happened, it is what it is. What are you going to do with it now? How are you going to deal with it? How are you going to go forward from it? And one quote that Toby Mac uh, said recently, I really, really love and I agree completely with. He says this, Sometimes in the winds of change, we find our greatest direction. Sometimes in the winds of change, we find our greatest direction. And those winds of change can be powerful. I mean, they can be gale force winds, hurricane level of of change. And they can be hard to stand against. But if we, as those who are in Christ, who know Christ, who know the hope and joy and power of Christ, we can choose to say that kind of thing. We can say, you know what, this change is coming at me fast and furious, and I didn't expect it, and I didn't ask for this, but nevertheless, here it is, and now I have before me the choice to trust in a good, constant God who will get me through this who will show me some things about himself that I won't be able to see unless this change comes, unless I go through this. We have the choice to trust. We have the choice to proceed, not in our own power, but in his power. We have a choice to rest in not an anchor of self or in the anchor of things always being the same because that's just not reality. We can rest in the anchor of a constant and consistent, perfect, holy God. That's the choice that we can all make. And if we choose to make that choice, we will see him at work in the changes that come, in the shifting of the shadows of change, in the the turning of time that we all have to deal with. We will be able to see God at work, on display, glorious and powerful and faithful and the same he's always been. We will see him in that way if we will choose to look to him and look away from the changing circumstances that we're so prone to keep our attention fixed on. And in God's Word, we see two very powerful examples, obviously more than that, but two very significant examples of what we'll be able to see about God in our, our times of change and in those inconsistencies of life if we will look past that There's two incredible accounts in God's Word, separated by centuries, that speak to the same thing. That's the fact that we have a God always on the throne, always in control, always working things out for His glory and our good, always the same, always faithful, consistent, consistent, consistent. And in Isaiah chapter 6, we see the first powerful example of that, of the consistency of God, the holiness of God, the fact that He is always on the throne. No matter what is happening here on earth and in our life, He remains on the throne. He remains consistent. And Isaiah saw a vision of this enthroned, mighty, eternal King. And Isaiah 6, 1 through 7 is where we're going to be first. Isaiah 6, 1 through 7 Verse 1 says this, In the year that King Uzziah 
died. I'm going to stop right there for a second. Here's a little brief history of King Uzziah. Uh, 2 Chronicles 26 and 2 Kings 15, 1-7 describe for us what was a long, good reign by this King Uzziah that really, other than those places and this one verse, we don't really see a lot about him. We don't really know a lot about him. But they describe for us what was a long, good reign by King Uzziah, which gave Judah uh, a period of peace and prominence and prosperity. He reigned 52 years, which is a long time, and he was only 16 when he began his reign. And things were going really, really well under his rule. Things were economically and politically and spiritually stable. And everyone likes that, right? Everyone likes stability. Everyone loves when things are consistent. None of us like instability. We, we try to avoid that at all costs. And when it happens, uh, man, we, we, we're wrecked. And it takes, takes a lot to, to get us to, to still have perspective. Nobody likes instability. Everybody loves things that are stable. Everybody loves economic stability and politi- political stability and spiritual stability. We all love that. And, and that was true for the people of Judah. Unfortunately, King Uzziah's life and reign ended very unexpectedly and excuse me, and tragically. And the the turn of events that took place around uh, Isaiah giving his his prophecies and his vision, um, they they were pretty inconsistent. They were changes in circumstance and in situation for the people of Judah that cast long, dark, scary shadows of the unknown and the uncertain on everyone's hearts and minds. That's the backdrop in which Isaiah saw this vision that he's describing. That's the context in which he's writing this. So let's, let's keep going. So in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord. I saw Yahweh seated on a high and lofty throne. He didn't see Yahweh, the mighty God, wringing his hands saying, oh no, what am I going to do? King Uzziah is dead, and he's who I put in place, and, and I know my people were, were trusting in him, and, and now what are we all going to do? That's not what he saw in the throne room of heaven. He saw God seated, reigning, ruling, as he always had been. And the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphim, Mighty angels were standing above him. They each had six wings. With two, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. It's interesting, the specific detail there. Here's these, these mighty angels. Seraphim are, are known throughout Scripture to be just, just these mighty angelic beings. Probably the, the mightiest of all the angels. And they're here at the very throne of God. And even though they are themselves perfect, they are themselves holy, compared to the holiness of their maker, compared to the holiness and perfection of God, they can't even look at him. They cover their faces, their holy, perfect faces, they cover with their wings because even they can't take the splendor and brightness and majesty of God's holiness. It's too much for them. They wouldn't dare look directly at Him. 
So they, they cover their faces. They, they cover their feet because the feet are known always to be the lowlier parts of the body, the humble parts of the body. So they don't even want the slightest hint of the inferior to be in the presence of God without being covered. And with two, they fly because they're ready and willing to go out and do the will of this God. We could learn a lot from these angels. And one called to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. His glory fills the whole earth. We just sang a lot about that this morning because we need to remember that. We need to remember that not only does God reign consistently, but He is consistently holy. He is always completely other than us. He is above us, exalted higher than we could ever be or understand. Completely separate from all that we are. Totally perfect. And His glory fills the whole earth. The whole earth that is absent in itself from from glory and from holiness and righteousness. The glory of the Lord fills the earth even with the curse of sin on this earth. It can't keep out or drown out or fade the glory of our God. His glory just permeates everything. All of His creation. That's consistency. The foundations of the doorways shook at the sound of their voices, and the temple was filled with smoke. Verse 5, Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of armies. My friends, something about the consistency of the holiness of God and His perfection is that when we consider it, when we open our minds to it, when we allow ourselves to focus even just a little bit on how holy God is and how perfect He is, what it reminds us of inevitably is how consistently unholy we are. How consistently unrighteous we are. How consistently impure we are. And that's good, and that's right, that's fitting, that's proper. We need to remember that because so often we are our biggest fans. And so often we think we have it all figured out. We have all the answers to everyone's questions and solutions and problems. And we rest on our own wisdom, and we rest on our own ability. And the sin that God, Adam, and Eve gets us to, the sin of pride the sin of self-exaltation, the sin of self-worship. And so it's necessary for us to come back to the, the majesty and the holiness and the awesome, terrible perfection of our God and to see His consistency compared to our own and our own lack of consistency. In verse 6, this is beautiful. This is the gospel pictured right here. Here's Isaiah realizing his state, realizing his condition in the midst of all this uncertainty now around him with the loss of their beloved king who they trusted in, relied on, who made things great for them. That's all gone now. And here's Isaiah left with the despair and the fear of the unknown and the uncertainty. Now he's he's fully aware of his own depravity. And in that context, 
Verse 6 says this, Then one of the seraphim, those mighty holy angels that say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, they flew to, to me, he says, and his hand, in his hand was a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it, with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your iniquity is removed and your sin is atoned for. Church, in the midst of our consistent weakness, in the midst of our consistent sinfulness, not only do we find a God who is consistently holy and perfect, we find a God who is consistently gracious and merciful. We find a God who all throughout history, from the very moment Adam and Eve fell all the way on till now, we have a, a God who is consistently making redemption possible. He promised it. Right as Adam and Eve fell, right as the curse came down on their sin and the consequences for their sin fell, He promised that it wouldn't always be this way. Genesis 3. He promised a coming Redeemer to reconcile what was now a broken fellowship and relationship. And all throughout the Bible, we see the plan and story of redemption unfolding. And we see a thread running through all of history that points, yes, to the holiness of God, but also to His grace and His mercy and His desire to redeem. We see it over and over and over again. And in the midst of all the uncertainty of life, that's the kind of anchor we need. A God reigning and ruling over all the circumstances we find ourselves in. In the midst of all the the changing of circumstances that is life, we can know with certainty we have a God sitting on the throne, unfazed, unaltered, unaffected, unchanged. Full of holiness, but also full of grace and mercy. It's not just Isaiah, though. It's not just Isaiah. In Revelation chapter 4, the very last book of, of Scripture, it's about 750 to, uh, to 800 years after Isaiah and, and his vision of God on the throne. And the Apostle John, who writes Revelation, he's experiencing some pretty unstable, uncertain, unpleasant circumstances, to say the least. He's in exile on a remote island, Patmos, under the heel of the Roman Empire, dealing with persecution. He's the last living, original disciple of Jesus. And right after getting some intense instruction uh, to pass on to all the churches in Asia, some things that are hard to say, some tough language that he has to use with all the different churches that Jesus told him to write, John, like Isaiah gets a pretty potent dose of perspective. And he has a perspective shift, all due to being taken in the Spirit before the same great heavenly throne and the same great God on that throne that Isaiah saw and wrote about centuries before. It's the same scene, same God, same throne that's being occupied. Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4 and verses 1 through 8. Here's what John writes. After this, after Jesus had dictated all these letters to the seven churches, after this I looked, and there in heaven was an open door. The first voice that I had heard speaking to me 
like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and there was a throne in heaven, and someone was seated on it. See, right there again, we see an occupied throne. It's not a vacant throne in heaven. It's an occupied throne. The one seated there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian stone. A rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald surrounded the throne. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the throne sat 24 elders dressed in white clothes with golden crowns on their heads. Flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder came from the throne. Kind of like the throne room that Isaiah saw whenever the angels said, Holy, holy, holy to one another, and the foundations of the temple shook and smoke filled everything. It's the same scene. Seven fiery torches were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Something like a sea of glass similar to crystal was also before the throne. Four living creatures covered with eyes in front and in back were around the throne on each side. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like an ox. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Now notice this part, verse 8. Each of the four living creatures had six wings. They were covered with eyes around And inside, day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, 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 Lord God the Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. Sound familiar? Right? Just like what took place in Isaiah 6, 750 to 800 years prior. What Isaiah saw in his vision is now what John sees in his. Some of the details are different, but it's clearly the same setting. It's the same throne that they are taken before. They share that. It's the same God on the throne. It's the same holy creatures worshiping and acknowledging the holiness of their maker. Think about that. Think about all of the change that that took place over the period of time between Isaiah and John the Apostle. Kingdoms came and kingdoms went. Whole empires rose and crumbled. All kinds of things changed in civilization and in culture. There's all sorts of of change that took place and that Isaiah dealt with in his time and John was dealing with in his time. All sorts of unknown things, uncertain things, fearful things, hard days, difficult times. Both of them experienced it. And the earth experienced all sorts of of affliction and assault and despair and darkness. But yet through it all, above all that, there is the God who is consistently reigning and ruling over all of it, ordering all the affairs and events of mankind for His glory and for His people's ultimate good. And just as time has passed from John and this vision that he had till now, a couple thousand years we're removed from John. But you know what? If, if God so chose to peel back the curtain and give us a glimpse into heaven like he did Isaiah, like he did John, like he did the Apostle Paul, you know what we would see, what we would find in the midst of all of our uncertainty and unknown situations and fearful circumstances? We would see a God on the throne. We would see a God reigning and ruling over all the affairs of men that we find ourselves in, over all the changing and passing of time, over all the shifting shadows as the clock moves. We would see a God ordering and orchestrating it all, 
where nothing takes him by surprise. Nothing takes him off guard. My friends, there will never be a time in all of eternity where God will say, oh, didn't see that coming. That will never happen. Not only does he know all things, but he rules over and orders all things and controls all things. And that is where we can find consistency. And that is where we can draw hope from. Not in life, not in ourselves, not in in other people. We can't trust in other people to be always consistent. Can't trust ourselves to be that. We can't trust in things and objects and stuff in the creation that we are in the midst of. We can't trust in that. We can't find our hope and our, our confidence in that. No, we have to look beyond all that and look up and see the God who is always enthroned. So what does all this tell us? It tells us what I said at the very beginning. That change is constant in life. But God, praise Him, God is constantly unchanged. Circumstances change, don't they? All the time. Every moment, circumstances change. But they don't change God. No matter how your circumstances have changed already this morning, no matter how they will as you go forward in 2020, for all of us, totally unknown at this point, And I get the fear that that causes and the anxiety that that causes. But no matter how our circumstances can change, we can absolutely always trust the fact that they don't change God. It will always be true. We can cling to these truths. We can cling to the fact, the absolute fact that spans the centuries that God is the God who was, who is, and who is to come. And in all of that, He is the exact same with whom... There is no variance or shadow of turning. Time passes. Man, does it pass. And it gets faster and faster the the more years that are behind you. Am I right? Do you agree with that? The more years you have behind you, the faster time passes going forward. Time passes. Things change. People change. But God remains outside and above time. Isn't that a great thought? That God is not bound by time, by the passing of time. It doesn't phase him. He's, he's above time. He's outside of it. He created it. He created time. And he keeps it. He's the keeper of time and of eternity. And he's the king over it. He will always remain unfazed and unchanged by all the passing of time that we are under. So, My brothers, my sisters, my friends, hear hear me on this. Whatever change or uncertainty is going on in your life right now, whatever change or uncertainty is going to go on in your life, or outside of your life, with other people around you, with circumstances around you, with whatever we see on the news, whatever happens globally, what, whatever new war is getting ready to start. We've just seen over the weekend a potential major conflict that's brewing and thousands more troops being sent into the Middle East. Talk about an un- unstable region, right? Talk about an inconsistent environment. That's the Middle East. There's a lot going on there again. No matter what happens outside of your life, 
God is reigning and ruling above it all. And listen, he's not just reigning above you. He's with you in it. God, we just got done celebrating Christmas, right? We, we talked about and focused on Emmanuel, God with us. Well, God is Emmanuel long after Christmas is over. God is always with us in our circumstances, in the changing of our lives and of time. He, the unchanging one, is always right there with us in it. And you know what else? He's at work through it. God is at work through the changing of circumstances that we know as life. The thing we call life, it's just nothing but change, and it's fluid all the time. But God is working in that to bring consistency, to bring stability, to bring hope, to bring assurance, and it's all found in Him. It's all found in looking to Him. And as we do that, as we make that choice, all throughout our life, no matter what comes and goes, never once will we be able to say, God, you let me walk alone. God, where were you? In all of this inconsistency that I found myself in, in all the change that came in my life, God, you let me down. You let me go. You let me be a victim of the change and and inconsistency and shadows of life. Where were you? I walked alone through this, God. Never once, church, never once will we be able to say that. No, for all of eternity, the cry of our hearts will be, God, thank you for walking with me through every step that I walked. God, thank you for being the one constant in all of the universe, in all of time, in all of eternity, in all my life. You were the one constant. Never once did I have to walk alone. That's the, that's the reality for every believer. And I hope it's your reality today. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power and the relevance of it. I thank you for the reminders we find in your word. As we jump into 2020 and time passes for us again, we go through another year which will feel like it comes to an even swifter end than the year before because that's what happens with time. And in all of that fluidness of life and of time, Father, thank you for the fact that you remain the same. You remain the God that Isaiah saw. You're the the same God that John saw in his vision. The throne is still occupied. There are still mighty angels saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Father, may we join in their chorus. May we join in their exaltation of you and your, your holiness and your consistency, your sameness, your perfection. And may we draw encouragement as we go through life and all of its changes. May we draw hope, not in our circumstances, but in the God who reigns above our circumstances, who is with us in our circumstances, who's reigning and ruling and working through them for our good and your glory. And thank you, Father, for the fact that never once did we or will we ever walk alone. We give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.